How do you take on digital marketing for your business? One bite at a time. Hey there, and welcome to the Pancake Digibytes podcast, where each week we share tips and tricks for successful digital marketing and interview other business owners about their learning moments and successes with marketing. Here now, your host. Hey everybody, Rihanna M. Hill here, excited to be joined by two incredible guests. These wonderful women are super powerhouses that I have had the pleasure of working with for the last almost three years now, and I have the honor of interviewing them for some breakfast today um, here with all of you. So happy to introduce Steph Nissen and Tara Kenny, who are owners of Atomic Revenue in St. Louis. This is a revenue operations company serving B2B companies nationwide. They focus on all of the elements that generate revenue in a company, including lead generation, sales conversion, and customer advocacy, all tied to process and, of course, the ever-important data. So, hello. How are you today? Hey, great. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks. I'm very excited about this. Wonderful. Yes, this is our first podcast with two guests, so that is quite a special treat as well. We'll have to do a careful dance to not step on top of each other. (laughs) We've been business owners together and working together for almost five years. I think we're going to be all right. Absolutely. I'm taking cues of when you're talking and I'm not. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's kick this off with a very important question. How do you like your pancakes? Uh, I'll go. I'm a purist. I like the traditional stack of just lovely fluffy pancakes and maple syrup. Like no frills, no craziness. Just give me the classics. Nice. So I am a huge maple syrup fan, but not on my pancakes because they tend to get kind of soggy. I have learned that I really love Swedish pancakes, butter and sugar with stacked up layers of really thin pancakes, super deep. Oh, those both sound wonderful. This is going to make me hungry. (laughs) Perfect. So who, who are you? What makes you, you? Well, isn't that the age old question? Uh, (laughs) I mean, I am a mom, I am a business owner, I am ambitious, I set goals way too high, I shoot for the moon and reach various stars and planets in the process of reaching the moon. And I think that that, um, you know, that's always been kind of who I am. As I look back over time, um, yeah, the other part that I think is interesting is that I never saw myself as a salesperson, just never wanted to see myself that way. And then it was at Collision Conference in Toronto this year when I was listening to the signs of a good CEO, and they were talking about all of the different things that CEOs have to sell, and everything is sales. And I was thinking back, I'm like, wow all the way back to selling rocks door to door at age two. I mean, I guess that still is part of who I am, even though I've always tried to deny it. So, <laughs> I think uh, Tara and I complement each other pretty well because one, we're very similar in everything. So I, I would probably describe myself very similarly to, to Tara. Um, I grew up in a, a military household. 
Um, so I've always been a big fan of process and structure and systems. Um, and I think I've carried that all the way through. So, um, getting to work with Tara on atomic revenue is, it was just kind of a, a natural fit. It all made sense and I could logically put it in the right bucket. And I appreciated that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's one of the first things that we first connected on, uh, as well is the data and the process, the love for that. Very cool. Um, well, with that in mind, uh, go ahead and tell us a bit about the business, about Atomic Revenue. Sure. I mean, you covered a lot of it in the introduction. Atomic Revenue is a revenue operations company. We are all about the process and the data that is sits behind the people that are producing revenue within every organization. So lots of times people have um, carried the brunt of the weight of success or failure in the outcomes of revenue production and customer acquisition and profitability. And especially with the evolution of technology and how technology is enabling more human capacity than ever before, atomic revenue really sits in this space that is allowing humans to be accountable to the right things and have all of the infrastructure and the operations behind them that allows them to succeed and achieve their full potential. So when it comes to revenue production, it's not just about top line revenue growth. And of course, we're aiming for that and we're focusing on that, but it's about return on investment and it's about profitability. And so when it comes to atomic revenue, I think our unique position in the market is that we are end-to-end -end revenue production from lead generation to sales conversion to customer advocacy, the entire customer experience. Um, and we are unabashedly pro-profit. Um, and we really do focus on the, you know, the systems, the process, and the data that empower people to succeed. I think uh, Tara's synopsis there of, of what atomic revenue is, is pretty spot on. The only other thing really that I would add is uh, what's different about our business compared to other uh, companies. People like try to put us in a consulting firm bucket or you're just a group of consultants. The thing is our group of, you know, quote unquote consultants is over 40 people with hundreds of years of experience between all of us, people who are C-suite level all the way down to the implementation side, um, people who have expertise in various industries, who've bought and sold companies, who have been, you know, in corporate and in startup and in just this wide breadth of knowledge is, is pretty incredible, I think, about what Atomic Revenue brings to the table. Um, because I really don't think there's a lot of companies that do that. They kind of have this is our kind of person and this is our wheelhouse. And we try to make sure that we're paying attention to how all different kinds of companies operate and all the different options and possibilities to really find the best solution that a company needs to create profitable revenue. It's not a one size all, one size fits all solution. You have to be a, have seen it before somewhere else or you're paying attention to what's going on in the world. And um, I really appreciate that about Top Revenue. Absolutely. It's definitely, Atomic Revenue is definitely one of those businesses that there's not anything else out there like it, at least not that I've seen so far. Very cool. Thank you. So I'd love to know a little bit more. How did this begin? How did you get started? Well, if I peer back into the history books, um, 
a lot of what Atomic Revenue is today actually started with a predecessor company that I started, um, which was Subscription Teams. Um, and this was really born out of the evolution of cloud computing and my experience managing teams and building labor pools, looking at financial models and knowing that I need 25 skill sets, but I only have enough budget to hire one. How am I going to get everything I need with only enough budget for one person? So, um, the original core of atomic revenue was capitalizing on the gig economy. There's a lot of really, really smart people who are out there operating as independent contractors. And if we can pair them together into a team, we can build a whole department that is a fraction of exactly the right types of expertise that a company needs to achieve their revenue objective objectives. But um, not have to hire all of those heads in-house, which from a financial operations model standpoint makes a ton of sense when you're talking about labor structuring. So that was really the original foundation. Um, and as that concept began to grow, it became really clear that um, I needed to find some partners of like-minded people because it started to be a lot of doers and not a lot of people who could see the vision and create the environment that the doers could succeed in. And so as I went out to look at that, it was really the discovery of all of these other areas of business that tie to revenue operations that were changing and evolving and each had their own expertise. And Steph was one of the first people that I called, honestly. Um, she was referred to me because um, in a fractional CMO role with several other fractional team members working with a client, I said, you know what, this world of digital operations is changing so significantly and it's impacting all the areas of revenue production from lead generation to sales conversion to customer advocacy no one is helping figure out what that evolution looks like. And all of that responsibility is still bucketed in marketing. So when I called Steph, I was like, hey, Steph, so I've got this idea. <laughs> it's like, uh, I need someone who could um, look at all of the digital assets that are currently under management at my company and give me a three-tiered recommendation on what has to happen first what needs to happen next. And then ultimately what I would do as soon as I have enough budget to do all of that. And, and I was I, like, I got to interrupt her because so she says I had this idea, but in the beginning, what really happened is, Hey, I sold this. She had already built this idea in her head so far that she sold it to somebody, but she's like, I don't know what it really is. I don't know who's going to do it. It's not going to be me. I don't have the expertise. So like it was really like putting the wheels on the car as you're already driving down the road. Like we're, we're going. Um, and Steph, do you want to come with me? And I was like, I love it. I'm in like, let's go. So <laughs> like, here's the bus. Are you hopping on or what? Cause we're yeah, rolling. Going. I'm not going to stop. And like, I'll put the brakes on like, I'll slow down a little so you can jump in. But, <laughs> and it's kind of been that way ever since with like the way that Atomic Revenue found it, it was a couple of, you know, it was a small group. And everything, even when I came into play, there was, you know, two or three people really um, part of Atomic Revenue's core, core. And then now it's just exploded. Now we're at over 40 people on our team. 
Um, and we have, you know, huge plans for 2020 and, you know, in the next, you know, one, three, 10 years, I'm excited to see what happens. And then we'll be telling, you know, a different origin story when we look back at it through, you know, rose colored glasses. Right. I mean, right now the origin is like the seedling that started to grow into, you know, a small tree. And now when you look back on it, you're going to tell the story of the sapling that grew into the big tree, right? So (laughs) really excited about that. We are past sapling now. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. And you know what? It is hard to fight for resources in the forest when you are a little sapling. I'm just saying. My dad's a forest ranger, so he's going to love this when he hears it. Uh, (laughs) That one's for you, dad. (laughs) Well, that's truly uh, a good vision looking ahead to see all of those pieces with the way digital operations are changing and the gig economy, which is shown through your success so far. So I have no doubt that that will continue. And uh, it's been a theme in a lot of these interviews that one of the most important things is just to take action. So I guess you really took that to heart with driving before you had the wheels on the bus. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to give a shout out to Glenn Mankin here. Um, He is the one who informed all of us that Tara is not actually a name. It's an acronym for take action right away. So um, now that always comes to mind when I hear these stories that I hear Steph describe her experience. (laughs) I'm like, that's true. Glenn hit it on the head. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, Well, so with that in mind, what does it mean to be a business owner to you now? Maybe something different than you thought from the beginning or just being a business owner as part of your identity versus maybe when you were employed previously? So for me, like the biggest change was before Atomic Revenue, like I had, uh, I was a solopreneur. I had uh, my own digital agency and it was really just caring for, for me. The biggest change as a business owner for me now through Atomic Revenue is like I said, we're at over 40 people. It's not just about what's in the best interest of the company and, you know, myself and my own well-being and taking care of my family. It's also caring for the human element internally. We're big on process and data, but you don't have any of those without human beings and human personalities and human quirks and human error and all of those things. So that's been the most eye-opening is as much as we love data and process and everything, just allowing people to be human and allowing yourself to be human and be like, you know what? I'm tired. I need a nap. Um, I need a taco. Like I need whatever it is and just let yourself have those things. And that as much as we love taking action right away, just like Tara, um, that you're allowed to give yourself the freedom to just be human. And it doesn't have to be as stuck to the process sometimes than as much as maybe you would like to, or you kind of visualize in your head that it's going to be like that. So for me, it's the, the human aspect of being a business owner. Definitely. People can appreciate that, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's so important. It's a big responsibility. I think it's one of the most important responsibilities as a business owner is you have taken the responsibility for all of these other people and their well-being into your hands. And the decisions you make are are broadly impactful. And when you're an employee, you impact a very small universe. And when you think about being a business owner, you impact a lot of people's lives, a lot of households, and then you impact those of your clients. And 
it just extends your vendors. I mean, all of these things. Um, and sometimes they conflict with each other, right? <laughs> and so sometimes you, you're in those situations where you're just trying to find the best win-win-win for everybody to go forward. And uh, sometimes it does feel like it's um, a lot of weight, like you can't take a break. And I think that's one of the things that you have to be really disciplined about as an owner. And I'm not very good at it yet. I'm still... Uh, learning every day is school for me. So <laughs> still learning how to be realistic about what is within my control. What can I actually support versus being human, like Steph said, and admitting that I'm human, which is tough. Um, I think that for me, though, the one of the biggest things about being a business owner is that um, it's it's given me stability in um, a very interesting way because most people think about being a business owner is very unstable. It'd be, you know, owning a business, the chaos around it is not stable. Well, my pre-business owner life was changing jobs every 18 months and changing jobs within companies four or five times during the 18 months that I was there and then still deciding that, nope, I'm bored. I'm going to move on. Right. So there was no, no grounding at all for me as an employee ever um, versus when I broke out of that and started to be in the entrepreneur space and realized that, you know, I can really create my own destiny and my, um, my potential is not limited within the confines of an organizational structure that other people define. Um, and that's one of the things that is really important at Atomic Revenue and at our culture is that every individual has the ability to define their own professional capacity and their professional trajectory, um, because that's part of keeping the entrepreneurial spirit alive. And that's one of the values that we bring to all of our clients and to each other. And if, as we grow, we have to be really careful not to take that away or we will lose something that's very special and unique about Atomic Revenue and all of the people that work here. So I think that's going to be one of the next challenges as a business owner is how to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive in a growing organization without putting too, ma too many boxes around people and still allowing them to control their professional destiny. Absolutely. Those are all great points and certainly some growing pains that, that you feel of those unique things that can happen in small groups. How do you retain that in a much larger group? Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so I'd love to circle back around to your, your tree analogy, especially with the saplings um, and fighting for for, for resources out there, uh, especially analogies is a big part of, you know, pancakes. <laughs> so with saplings and trees and stuff, let's go ahead and get into some of that, that sticky stuff. What are some of these major challenges that you faced? Um, I know we've touched on a few, but maybe some of the major ones uh, with those resources and perhaps how have you overcome them or are you still working on some of them? Oh man, I think Tara hit on quite a few of ours and everything. It's for us, uh, maintaining the culture that we've built is definitely critical as we go into to new changes um, for us. And as we expand and, you know, the drink your own Kool-Aid, drink your own champagne, whatever's in your glass um, and decide, you know, we're going to 
do business this way, um, the same way that we do with our clients and what we preach there, we're, we're going to take it home. So uh, I think a lot of companies run into that too. It's the practice what you preach. You know, it's the, um, I mean, when I worked in uh, just digital alone and very heavily focusing in social media, I can tell you like 30, 40% of my clients were other people in social media. Like, because they didn't do their own social, they didn't do their own website, they didn't do their own email marketing, but they were looking for clients to do it for, but they never did it themselves. So um, it's something that's always been around. And uh, I think it's one that will continue, you know, for us to be very cognizant of. Yeah, I think it's so easy to be really objective and tap into that resource pool and provide the best solutions to other people's forests. Um, But when you are in your own forest and you're on the hike, it's really easy to be distracted by trees, right? (laughs) So so I think that that drinking your own Kool-Aid is a huge one. I mean, I'm so excited for our own dashboard um, and it's so close to being complete, but we're going through all the same data organization and data hygiene issues that our clients go through. So I think 100% agree with Steph that, you know, we're cognizant of all the changes that are going on everywhere and we apply it to our clients first, Um, which client first mentality, I guess, is something that they particularly appreciate. And we, um, you know, we, we choose to do that. Um, Then I think the other kinds of changes that I think happen are typical of any organization, which is, you know, Business evolves with the needs of clients and with the needs of markets and with the needs of technologies. And as that happens, you very quickly maneuver your way into the right position. And ultimately what happens is that people's roles change. And so it's not only adaptability of a business to accommodate the fast-paced, quick-changing world around us and around our clients, But it's the ability of the people internally to adapt to that change. And I think that will continue to be a challenge. I think it is for most companies that, you know, recognize that people need professional development. People need the opportunity to evolve their skill sets in new directions. Um, And, you know, some people may not evolve, right? (laughs) And those people, you have to find a way to still take care of those people because you've taken responsibility for them as business owners. But I think that that will always be just going back to the people maintaining the culture. But then as everything evolves around us, how do you keep all of those people relevant or are some people not relevant to the new conditions, right? (laughs) And so I think we're always just, that's every business needs to go through that, but some organizations get so big that they just lose track of it. And they've got a lot of people sitting around who are not contributors. They haven't moved forward with the business and someday they'll get, you know, on a list of people that get severance and get laid off or they'll go to early retirement offers or whatever it is. But I don't ever want to be one of those companies that has a bunch of people sitting around who don't feel valued and aren't, don't feel like they're contributing. So as we continue to grow, that will be important to monitor. Absolutely. Those are all very valid points, uh, especially with that first one, the cobbler's son syndrome, where the cobbler's son has no shoes. 
seems to be very applicable, uh, especially in the marketing and social media marketing world and all those changes for for digital operations. You know, every year there's some new big fancy digital thing that's kind of the big piece of business and keeping up to date can that with that can be hard, especially back to, you know, changing jobs every 18 months. I think that's the industry standard now, not just what you've experienced. So those are all good, good ways of looking ahead. There's a lot of digital transformation in the areas outside of what people think of as digital marketing or digital operations as it relates to revenue production. And what we're really finding in our business is that integrating those types of digital transformations with the digital change that's going on in marketing and sales is incredibly disruptive for our clients. Um, so we're all going to school every day in change management theory and, <laughs> uh, you know, major organizational development uh, modifications just because of how disruptive the technology is to all departments. And then it, it's not siloed anymore. It all has to be connected. So just a great example of why people need you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'd love to shift gears a little bit here and uh, circle back around to some of those first jobs that you had. Uh, What were they and have they helped you with what you're doing now in any way? So my first uh, like like legitimate W-2 job um, was Wendy's. Um, And I think that that working in customer service is critical for anybody, whether that's in food or in retail and everything where, yeah. Uh, I think that's critical for anybody. You learn a lot of soft skills and everything, and you develop really quickly and everything if you're paying attention, obviously. Um, But I mean, like Tara referenced earlier on in the podcast, um, she was selling rocks door to door. And I have a similar story at age three and everything, uh, putting all my toys in my bedroom and setting all my toys up as a yard sale and then making my parents buy the toys they bought for me, back from me, um, and, and not being okay with like the monopoly money side of it. Like it's got to be legitimate. Um, so <laughs> um, uh, definitely, I think both Tara and I grew up in very uh, entrepreneur um, kind of vibes the, our whole lives. So we were always doing something. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's hitting the nail on the head. There's always stuff, and you know. I grew up on a farm, so we, you know, bailed hay, we picked apples and we drove to, you know, ski cities to sell our apples in front of Walmart. I mean, it was just everything growing up was this very entrepreneurial experience. Not that, not that I realized it at the time, right? So you can look back and you can see that you've been being groomed as an entrepreneur your entire life, you just had no idea that's what was in store. And man, I'm glad I didn't decide to go be an archaeologist because uh, turns out that is so not me. (laughs) But I think, you know, you get to that time in your life when you're having your first job and you're trying to decide what you're going to do with your life. And there's all of these careers. It seems like it's so easy for people to like pick the wrong one right? That later you look back and you're like, it's not me, but just like Steph, I waited tables. 
So, um, and I think that that was great. You know, it had the variable compensation component to it. Like if you did a good job, you made lots of money. If you didn't, then you made less. So there was that incentive to it. Um, and then there was a lot of the teamwork dynamic when you work in restaurants, it's high turnover. It's not necessarily great personalities all the time. Your customers are not great personalities. <laughs> uh, but I think that all of those skills are you know, really critical now. So I'm really grateful for that experience. Um, and I think that, you know, when you look back to your first job, you always, you know, you don't realize how much of who you are today gets to be attributed to that. Um, so this is going to be a fun question. I want to ask everyone on our team this question. I know we did once in Slack, um, but the conversation is really fun to follow, not just a where was it? Absolutely. Especially that journey to entrepreneurship and anyone who's worked in customer service is probably nodding their heads along to this just with, with understanding how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd love to wrap this up with some expert knowledge from both of you of, well, or learning in progress for everyday of school as knowing what you know now, what's something what kind of advice would you give somebody who's just getting started or what's something that you wish you knew when you first got started? The advice that uh, I would give for somebody just getting started is, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're starting it now, um, which is fantastic, but don't stop. Don't stop listening to podcasts. Don't stop reading blogs and attending conferences. Um, The people that are CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies guess what? They still learn. They still spend a lot of time on personal and professional development. So nobody can say that they know it all. I think between Tara and I, we know a fair amount and we do okay. But I mean, I'm listening to stuff. I listened to two audiobooks in the car this morning um, on my drive into the office. I'm constantly trying to absorb more information, not just from the sake of digital and you know in digital operations where you know it's kind of my love language of space here um and i do a lot in that space but also outside of that and you know health you know because i can't do my job if i'm sick you know oh and you know being a better parent being a better person being a better business partner you know with tara and our team so just don't ever think that you know it all and you're done you're not done we're far from it Yeah. um, I take it as a huge compliment that Steph thinks that we know a fair amount. Um, (laughs) I always feel like I learn so much every day. And so I'm just like, wow, I got so much to learn. I'm building off of it. (laughs) Yes. So far to go. And I I 100% agree with that. Um, The other thing that I would say to people is don't let other people set your goals for you or try to right size your goals. Um, I've really had to fight a lot of that. Um, Even in the time at Atomic Revenue of people saying, Tara, your goal's too high. You're not going to get there. I'm like, it's my goal. Um, And I would rather strive for a really high goal and still exceed what anyone's expectations were or what their goals were versus strive for a low goal and barely meet it, you know, and I think that that's one thing that everyone who's getting started, there's people who are naysayers, there's people who make you doubt yourself, there's people who make you feel like you 
should have lower expectations. You're the only person who can set your expectations for you. And I'm not saying, you know, expect yourself to be a successful millionaire in a couple of years, because there's one thing I can guarantee you is that nothing is ever going to happen as fast as you want it to. I mean, that is just 100%. Every business owner will tell you that it just does not happen as fast as you think it will. However, that doesn't mean that you can't strive for those higher level goals because you'll probably get farther with high goals than you will with low goals that you already know you can beat. Um, and so that, that to me is really important because um, I've just seen a lot of people bogged down by other people's opinions. Absolutely. That's absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you, Tara. And thank you, Steph of Atomic Revenue. Uh, for everyone, for anyone who would be looking for you, where's the best place to find you? Uh, absolutely. Come over to AtomicRevenue.com. That's our main website. And of course, you can find us on literally any and every social channel between the company and then us individually. Um, you can find Steph, myself, Steph Nissen and Tara Kinney uh, on LinkedIn. We love getting messages. We love talking to new people. Um, so definitely reach out if you have questions about the podcast um, or you just want to talk to somebody who's been there. We're always happy to do that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you such much to our listeners and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate your time and hope you found value from today. Be sure to share this with someone if you learned something or let us know if you have any questions by visiting us on Facebook at Pancake Digital Solutions. Thanks so much. Thank you.